is up? It's the rant. My name is Jeff Rackle, and it is Monday, November 29th. What a day. Woo! Every so often we get these, right? We get about four of these a year. Just weird weeks, crazy stuff happens, players get hurt. Of course, you know who I'm talking about there. A couple big names that I will dive into. So let's recap all the action with what you need to know from Week 12 Fantasy Football. Diving into Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Pittsburgh got steamrolled, and I wish I could say this is a surprise, but every time Pittsburgh goes to Cincinnati, it feels like they get steamrolled. Now, I don't have numbers to back that up. I just know experience-wise, they don't do very well there. Now, Deontay Johnson was fine, 9 for 95 on 14 targets. Pat Fryermuth got in the end zone, 4 for 40 in the touchdown, but it was a down day for Najee Harris. Just 8 for 23 on the ground. Three for 14 as a receiver. Ugly, ugly contest for him. Not much doing there other than Johnson and Fryermuth. On the other side, well, Joe Mixon. (laughs) Joe Mixon, 27 carries this week after topping the 30 mark last week. Just another monster performance. 27 for 158 and two scores. He goes four catches, negative two yards, whatever. I don't care about that. But he adds an additional almost four points in a PPR game. T. Higgins, I've said it numerous times, I love T. Higgins. Well, this is why. He has games like this in him. They're not going to happen all the time, and as long as we're aware of that, well, we'll take the good with the bad with T. Higgins. It was a down week for Jamar Chase, but better days are ahead for the stud receiver. And Joe Burrow, thanks to a rushing touchdown, a decent enough fantasy outing for him as well. Moving on to Tampa and Indianapolis. Lenny, and <laughs> Proving why you should punt your second running back spot. You could have gotten Leonard Fournette for free in like the ninth round basically this year. Did you feel good about it in August? No, I didn't. I drafted him in a lot of places and I felt downright bad about it. In fact, it took me a lengthy shower to wash the stink off of that pick. But now here we are in week 12. He put up 17 for 103 scores, seven catches for 31 and a score. That's a 44 burger. 44.1 PPR points to be precise. Gronk getting big yet again. Seven for 123 on 10 targets. And when Gronk is getting big and Leonard Fournette is getting big, well, nobody else really needs to get big, so don't get too worried about Godwin and Evans. Down weeks for them, but those will happen. And uh, yeah, there's just only so much meat on the bone. Uh, On the other side, Jonathan Taylor was largely shut down in the first half. But you can't keep a good man down. I've said he's matchup proof. Even in his bad, this was his bad game. This is his bad game. 16 for 83 and a score. Four for 14. That's a top 10 week in his bad game. Michael Pittman, only four for 53, but did have 10 targets, so don't sweat him too much. And you had a Jack Doyle sighting. I know people are going to pick him up next week. I just don't see it really being worth it. I'll talk about him more tomorrow, but I don't see it being worth it that much. Carolina and Miami. Well, let's start on the good side. Let's start on Miami. Hey, uh, Jalen Waddell. Massive week. Now, he is not an every week wide receiver. One, please don't fool yourself into thinking that he is. He is a wide receiver too, though, and he is seeing plenty of volume. And ordinarily, that volume doesn't come with a high ceiling, but this week it did finally flashing that speed on the big play. Nine for 137 and a score. That's the high watermark very likely for the season. Um, A couple other things of note in this, but but still, we're going to use him every single week, even when Parker's back. Uh, Durham Smythe actually out-snapped and out-targeted Mike Gesicki. I don't know how sticky that is week over week. As I expected, Phil Lindsay got some work 
16 carries for Gaskin, 12 for Lindsey. Gaskin did get in the end zone twice, so he ends up being a good fantasy option. But, you know, his volume is going to take a hit with Philip Lindsay there, and they are going to use him. Now let's go to the bad on the other side of this one. Cam Newton, well, this was Cam Newton. And I think I said this on my Series XM show this morning. I think we all needed this. You know, not if we, well, if we started him, you don't like it, but we needed the reality check that Cam Newton is not 2015 Cam Newton, he's 2021 Cam Newton. And while there is an elite ceiling, which we saw last week, there is an incredibly low floor. Incredibly low floor, which we saw this week. So, what does that mean? It means he's a quarterback too the rest of the way. He's going to be volatile. He has a high ceiling. He's still going to be the starter, according to Matt Rule, next week. But he has a low floor as well. DJ Moore at least got over 100 yards. Four for 103 for him. And yes, I saved the worst for last. Christian McCaffrey sprained his ankle and he will be placed back on injured reserve. This is not, this is not a three-weeker. If you are placed on injured reserve a second time, it is automatic season ending. You heard me right. Christian McCaffrey is done for the season. Chuba Hubbard and Amir Abdullah will get work without Christian McCaffrey. That is... Well, that's about as crappy as it comes. Just when you get him back, he's phenomenal. And now here we go. Yay. Uh, So more on that tomorrow. It's going to be a hefty waiver wire uh, show for sure. That really stinks right there. And that actually just broke uh, before I, I hit record on the podcast. So how do we adjust as I said, Shuba Hubbard and Amir Abdullah. In case you're wondering, 27 snaps for Amir Abdullah, thir- or 11, not 13, 11 for Chuba Hubbard. Abdullah had six targets in the passing game. And remember, they didn't have him until just recently here, so uh, he could have a pretty big role going forward. This could be a bit of a mess down the stretch. Exactly what we wanted to hear heading into week 13, isn't it? All right, so we roll on here. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, surprising outcome well not outcome but surprising in the backfield for the Tennessee Titans of course not the outcome because the Patriots they're rolling all right well New England is now in the hunt for the number one seed in the AFC tell me if you had that on your bingo card for this season they absolutely steamrolled their way through this one and we have both Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris in that backfield As we expected, the snap distribution, almost dead. Even, in fact, Brandon Bolden, uh, you know, evening things up as well. 22 for Harris, 20 for Stevenson, 19 for Bolden. Yikes. 11 carries for Harris, 40 yards. He gets the touchdown. Nine carries for Stevenson, 46 yards. They're both running well. I mean, 11 for 40 is not great, but I'll take it. One for 12 in the passing game for Harris. Zero catches for Stevenson. And, of course, thank you, Brandon Bolden. Four for 54 in the passing game. Mac Jones throwing the ball to Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne somehow is a wide receiver one since week three, although he hasn't had a 100-yard game this season. The numbers really don't pop, but at least he does deserve a roster spot. However, Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar out snapping him. Maybe they outsnacked him as well. Outsnapping him, 52 for Myers, 50 for Aguilar, 33 for Bourne. 
Hunter Henry saw two end zone targets. So the, the, the fantasy line is terrible, right? Two for 16, that's ugly. But he was targeting the end zone twice, so that's encouraging. His his uh, fantasy production is so closely tied to touchdowns. So it may look like Jonu Smith out, out produced him, but Henry played more snaps and saw one more target, five targets for Henry, four for Jonu Smith. So nothing really changes on our outlook there uh, for Hunter Henry. Moving over to the other side. I mean, really, what did we expect? Nick Westbrook-Akina is your number one. He had a touchdown, but two catches for 25 yards. What did we really expect? Well, I expected at least some out of the run game. We got a lot more than some. Dontrell Hilliard and Deontay Foreman combined for 31 carries for 240 rushing yards and a score, of course, the long score from Dontrell Hilliard. He went 12 for 131 and the score. Foreman 19 for 109, which is not too shabby either. They both caught a ball for, you know, two yards for Hilliard, three yards for Foreman. Nothing special there. But here's the thing. This is sustainable. Both of these guys are flex pluses going forward because they're going to have to lean on them. And they both look fresh. They both look spry. Foreman had a crucial fumble on a long run, but man, he's moving well, and so is Hilliard. Both of these guys have value if you picked them up, and really there's not much value elsewhere in this on this roster for fantasy purposes. I mean, I guess Westbrook Aquina, but yikes. Philly and the Giants, speaking of yikes for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, well, now we have two weeks where Jalen Hurts is finished outside of the top 12. Uh, I mean, to his credit, he did have eight for 77 on the ground, just no rushing scores. But only 129 passing yards over at FTNBets.com. I took the under on his passing yards line, which I think was 208 and a half. And then the over on his rushing yards line, which is 49 and a half. And bing, bing, both of them hit. And uh, that at least softened the blow because I had him in a crucial two-quarterback league where he did not perform well. Uh, Miles Sanders was banged up in this one. We'll see what happens with him. But he ran well, 9 for 64. Boston Scott picked up in the second half. 15 for 64 and a score for Boston Scott. Better days are ahead for Dallas Cotter, who got you a catch for no yards. The old one-pointer in PPR. Uh, better days are ahead for De- Devontae Smith as well. Just not much in this game. These, these games are always weird, the Giants and the Eagles. On the Giants side, I thought Saquon Barkley looked better. He's not Saquon yet, but he did lip, rip off at a little bit of a longer run where he looked like Saquon Barkley, which is the most important thing. He goes 13 for 40, catches four balls for 13 yards, nothing special. It's a it's a flex week, a RB3 week for him, but is what it is. Um, six targets for Evan Ingram, solid, but only three for 37. The fantasy numbers don't look good because, of course, he didn't catch the touchdown. We got Kasicki'd on that one. Uh, seven targets for Kenny Galladay. He led the wide receivers, but a really boring, lackluster three for 50 for him. Not much doing in that game, to be honest with you. Moving on to Atlanta and Jacksonville. And on the Atlanta side, Cordero Patterson did not look 100% and yet played 110%. He was so, he's so much fun this year. If, if only somebody would have figured this out earlier with him. 16 for 108 and showing the nose for the end zone. Two scores goes two for 27 as a receiver. It's him, man. And he was even out snapped by Mike Davis, but he just wildly outproduces Mike Davis. If you're freaking out over Kyle Pitts, I wouldn't. He had six targets in this game. Two for 26 isn't fun, but he had six targets. Russell Gage got in the end zone six for 62 and the score. On the Jacksonville side, it looks like, well, basically you can... Uh, completely move on 
from Dan Arnold. It's not a season-ending injury. Technically, it's a four- to six-weeker, but might as well be. Uh, So James O'Shaughnessy back in there. James Robinson ran hard, 17 for 86, three for 29 as a receiver. That's an RB2 week. That's about all you can ask for there. Somehow Laquan Treadwell's on the field still, and somehow he was the number two receiver in this game for them. Eight targets for Laquan Treadwell, caught four for 53. I might throw him into waivers just for giggles tomorrow. Uh, That's about all in that game. Jets, Houston, I got to tell you, on the Jets side, get this. All right, so we looked to the backfield, and we were saying Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? It was Austin Walter. He is currently RB24 in PPR, goes 9 for 38 and a score. Um... He was not the lead back. It was Tevin Coleman in early down, 16 for 67, and caught two balls for three yards. Uh, either way, Austin Walter, most of your sites out there would not have ranked him, but guess what? Yours truly did at FTN, so you got that going for you. Uh, Zach Wilson somehow threw an interception off of his running back's back, which I guess is the new butt fumble there for the Jets. Not much doing there for the Jets, though. I'm not going to panic over like Elijah Moore, for example, uh, but um, not much doing in this contest. On the Houston side of things, well, the backfield is a full split between Rex Burkhead and David Johnson, and neither are appealing. They both fin- finish as RB3s. Brandon Cooks remains the most productive, but it's really hard for him to be very productive because it's a low-volume passing game, so he goes 3 for 45 in a score. And Terod Taylor, well, he did throw for two passing scores because he hit Brevin Jordan uh, for a score as well. Terod Taylor was not that bad. He ends up being uh, a quarterback 12 as of right now before the Monday night contest. Uh, he did run two times for 30 yards, so an additional three points. That adds up, man. That adds up. All right, on to the next game on the list, the Chargers and Broncos on the Broncos side, the Javante Williams breakout. Finally, finally it happened, man. And honestly, there's nothing different in usage from any other game for this team. In fact, Melvin Gordon did out-touch Williams 18-17. to but Williams this week got the touchdown. 14 for 54 and a score. 3 for 57 looked so good, just like he has all season long. Love Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon was still fine. 17 for 83. 1 for 5 is a receiver. It's a top 24 week. I don't think that's that terrible. But the passing game not doing so well. Teddy Bridgewater was banged up in this one. Drew Locke played for a little bit, and uh, you know, predictably, nothing happened in the passing game. On the other side, Austin Eckler, the last I checked, is uh, yeah, pretty good at football. Twelve for thirty-one as a runner, but he goes six for sixty-eight and a score as a receiver. That's a top five week right there. Jared Cook gets in the end zone, but two for twenty-five. I know people are gonna. Chase him down on waivers, not much there. Keenan Allen continuing to be heavily targeted. 10 targets, 7 catches for 85 yards. Mike Williams, it's up and down. If you're harping on this week, just remember last week, he was a top 10 fantasy option. So maybe throw him a freaking bone just a little bit, all right? Throw him a bone. Rams and Packers. Well, Aaron Jones did end up playing in this one after we weren't entirely sure how this was going to unfold. Uh, I made a joke on Twitter, which, of course, if I make a joke on Twitter, everybody thinks I'm serious. But essentially what I said was um, everybody who plays fantasy football apparently has Aaron Jones on their rosters. That is impossible, obviously. Duh. 
<laughs> but Twitter took me seriously. Yay. Uh, just humanity right there. So anyway, A.J. Dillon touched the ball 25 times, just 10 touches for Aaron Jones, but he played 40 snaps. Dillon played 42, Aaron Jones played 40. So it's not like he wasn't out there, but he didn't obviously put up uh, viable fantasy numbers, whereas Dillon did. Dillon was a top 10 option. Uh, looking on, you know, at the wide receivers, Devontae Adams, not a massive week, but a good week. I mean, Randall Cobb ends up outscoring him because he scored a touchdown early, but Cobb got hurt in this one, only ended up playing 19 snaps, eight for 104 on nine targets for Adams. Another heavy workload for Marquez Valdez Scantling. Only four catches, but this dude had nine targets. That's 19 over the last two weeks. We should take notice, even though the fantasy numbers weren't there. Aaron Rodgers playing through that toe injury, and I guess it doesn't matter for him. He's playing great. On the other side, Odell Beckham Jr. Fully integrated at this point. They played 62 offensive snaps. He played 61, which, um, yeah, that's all but one. The last I checked on that one. 10 targets, caught 5 for 81. Of course, the one we care about was the touchdown reception. That's a top 10 fantasy week. Cooper Cup. Not a top 12 option this week, but he was 18. It's not like it was terrible. Seven for 96. He did not score a touchdown. Whoopity do. Van Jefferson did, but Van Jefferson's production isn't sustainable. And Daryl Henderson continues to be just overall pretty good. That touchdown reception was nice, man. He had 20 touches in this one. Top 12 week. Matty Stafford got back on track for fantasy purposes. Minnesota, San Francisco. I'm not going to bury the lead here. Dalvin Cook. He's going to miss time. It's being called a separated shoulder. That injury, I would say, you know, healthy estimate is a two to four week. In a best case scenario, it's like a two week. They rest him up. You get him back for the fantasy playoffs. Of course, these last two weeks here are pretty pivotal two weeks, right? They, You may be playing to get in. I'm playing to get in in a couple weeks. I'm right there with you. So you may not have him for these last two weeks you may not have him spilling into the playoffs if it is in fact a two to four week absence four weeks is just as realistic as two weeks and four weeks would put us basically for him coming back into fantasy championships we're one month out from the fantasy championship round that is not something that we want to hear it is a bad scenario so and and also by the way it's a torn labrum in addition to the separated shoulder So this is exactly why we cuff. This is exactly why we commit to the cuff. I can't tell you how many people do not get my message during fantasy draft season. And my message is simple. If you're going to draft Dalvin Cook and then in the 11th round draft Alexander Madison, then you're drafting Alexander Madison for as long as you have Dalvin Cook, right? If you have Dalvin Cook and you trade him away, okay, I get it. If you wanted to really move on from Madison, even though I wouldn't, but you're, that's an entire season of a commitment unless Madison is put on season-ending injured reserve. And what ends up happening with most people is they draft Alvin Cook he get or, or whoever the starter is, and they get out to a good start. It's week three, and they need to make a drop ad for whoever the latest flavor of the week is, Christian Kirk or Rondell Moore or Christian Kirk or Rondell Moore. And they say, well, you know, Madison isn't doing anything, and I have Cook, so I'm going to cut Cook, or Madison. I'm not going to cut Cook. I'm going to cut Madison. It happens every year. And I had to talk people off of the ledge in the FTN uh, Discord for, for that. It happens every year, and it should not happen. So my advice to those folks is just don't even draft the darn cuff because you're just going to drop them anyway. 
If you're going to draft a cuff, commit to the cuff. This is why. It's week 13 coming at us now. And yes, we already had, you know, we already had Cook miss time here earlier, but it wasn't lengthy. But this is the pivotal time of year. If you have Alexander Madison right now, you are in a great spot. He's an elite play the remainder of the season, or top 10, borderline top five. Let's call him that. I don't maybe get too hyperbolic. This is exactly why we cuff. This is exactly why I grabbed him in leagues where he was dropped. Because even if I don't have Dalvin Cook, now I, I just, I, hey, I got that $1,000 scratch-off lottery ticket, right? So, yeah, bad timing. Madison did score a touchdown actually before Cook went out. And Cook had a good game going. 10 for 39 on the ground, but he caught 6 for 64 as a receiver. There's just so much meat on the bone in this one. There's not much um, uh, uh, appeal to Wang Wu. He did score a, a, a special teams touchdown. He's good in that area, but not much appeal. This is all Madison time. Uh, Justin Jefferson, 4 for 83. Not the best week, but I think he gets a pass. And then, of course, Adam Thielen, all he does is catch touchdown passes and Kirk Cousins continues to be just a solid overall option on the other side there was a lot of folks who were nervous about Elijah Mitchell and this dude is a dog he got on the field no problem played right through the injury and you know just to to even show how clear from the injury he was he caught five balls too 27 for 133 and a score five on six for 35 that is a top five fantasy week right there and, um, of course, Debo Samuel was banged up in this one. Debo had one catch for 12 yards. If I was to tell you that, you'd be like, Oof. no, he had six for 66 and two as a runner. Debo Samuel running back. Uh, if he does miss time, which could happen, timing is everything, then, of course, Brandon Ayuk would benefit the most. Uh, he caught three for 91. Ayuk has been trending up. It's not a great fantasy week because Juwan Jennings was the one who got in the end zone. As a receiver, but overall, you know, not too shabby. And don't freak out over George Kittle. He's t- he plays tight end. Bad games happen, unfortunately, to tight ends. Cleveland and Baltimore, what a snooze fest, right? AFC, defensive struggle, but for fantasy purposes, a snooze fest. On the Cleveland side, Kareem Hunt did get back on the field, and we essentially saw a split between him and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb played 30 of 60 offensive snaps, Kareem Hunt 23. Hunt actually maybe a little bit more effective on the ground. Seven for 20. It's not like he was effective. Eight for 16 for Chubb. Chubb was the better fantasy play because he caught two balls for 23 yards. But neither was a good fantasy play. Uh, Honestly, the best fantasy play from anybody was probably Jarvis Landry. Six for 111. It was an age-old somebody-has-to-catch-the-ball scenario. And it wasn't Austin, Austin Hooper who had zero catches. Yay. Uh, Not a good one. Not one that I'm going to read too much into, though. And the same goes for the other side. It wasn't very good on the other side outside of Mark Andrews. Lamar had a down game. Those will happen. He still had 17 for 68 on the ground. This is very similar to Jalen Hurts. Did not throw much. Great game on the ground. Doesn't score a rushing touchdown. Isn't that big of a fantasy factor, right? Uh, the backfield now, while the carries look like it was definitively Devonta Freeman, he had 16 carries to eight for Latavius Murray. The snap distribution was 40, 36. So it's much closer than the box score uh, leaves us to believe. So be careful about that one. 
Uh, there's still flex value for Devonta Freeman. That's it. And and that's what he produced this week, by the way. Uh, Mar- Marquise Brown, by the way, I, I guess I downplayed this. He did have eight catches on 10 targets for 51 yards. Not a great fantasy week, but not a disaster either. All right, that wraps it up for today. Tomorrow is going to be a very, very busy waiver wire. So you're definitely going to want to Tune back in for that bad boy right there. Uh, However, before we get to end the end of Cyber Monday here, we do have a promo code over at FTN, FTNFantasy.com, FTNBets.com, FTNDaily.com. Cyber Monday. I know it's very original, but I'll get you 33% off. You missed the Black Friday sale of 40% off. You can still get 33% off. Head on over FTNFantasy.com for all the fantasy info. If you want betting, FTNBets, and of course... DFS is over at FTNDaily.com. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, I hope you already follow me, but if you aren't, give it a follow. I I make occasional dad jokes and tweet out stats. (laughs) That's what everybody wants. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of The Pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.